Live from Chicago, it's Chris Sells His Soul. I'm your host, Chris Bogue, and this is my weekly show on LinkedIn Live where I interview cool people who will help you work more creatively. Today's episode is called Oops. My guest today is Will Aiken. Will, please introduce yourself and tell the audience where they can find you online. Hello, everyone. My name is Will Aitken. You can find me mostly on LinkedIn and TikTok. TikTok is Will Aitken. LinkedIn is also Will Aitken. And then if you also search sales feed, you'll see a lot of my face as well, both on LinkedIn and TikTok. Solo you just did really took me back, standing in front of the TV with my older sisters doing that dance, well, being forced to at least. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're here. So Will is, he's all over TikTok. He's all over LinkedIn. So you can find him there. You can find him on sales feed uh, where he posts much of his comedy. And if you're interested in following me, you can also follow me. My name is Chris Bogue. Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn. And the easiest way to consume my content is to ring my bell. If you go to my LinkedIn page, you can click the bell icon. I post new content every single day, so you can make sure you never miss an update. And you can also find me on TikTok at Chris Sells His Soul. You can find all the previous episodes of my podcast on Spotify at Chris Sells His Soul. And you can find me on Twitter at Chris Sells Soul or at my website, ChristopherBogue.com, if you're interested in my coaching. Today's episode is called Oops. And Will Aitken is here because he is a man who is on a similar journey as me. He's going out there putting silly sales content out there. And this is going to be a conversation about starting out making content and about common mistakes that people fall into on video. So um, before I ask Will his first question, audience, please throw us questions throughout the episode. Uh, Anything you want to ask Will or me about comedy, about sales, about Vidyard, about content, throw it in the comments. We're going to be answering questions throughout the episode. But Will, hello. How did you start making video content about sales? Uh, yeah, good question, Chris. It was about a year ago, actually. In April of last year, I made a meme on LinkedIn where it was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if people use TikToks to sell? And then it got like 100 likes, which to me at the time was tons. That was the most likes I'd really ever had. So I was like, heck, I should go and make TikToks for sales. And then I went and made TikToks for sales really badly for a little while. And then I got better at it. And I'm still pretty bad now, but better than I was for sure. What do you mean by badly? Oh, this is a good question. Well, that's the topic of today. That's that's what this is all about, right? Yeah. Um, poorly presented, overly scripted, looked awful, no camera presence, really just quite horrible to watch, honestly. Um, I've gone back a few times since and uh, I always regret watching those videos that I start off with. See, I have this whole theory that people are just too darn hard on themselves, Will. Part of my training is to be a director. So I'm always looking for what are the little talents that people have that they don't even realize they have. And I actually think people are very endearing when they are awkward. So like, Mm. even if someone is kind of awkward and they're trying, I genuinely enjoy it on a human level. And there is something to be said about authenticity. There's a reason why that word is thrown around so often in professional circles. It's very hard to do that. And I guess I'll start with a mindset question. So if you're not satisfied with the early quality of your videos, I'm going to guess you were stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit. What actually got you to turn on the camera and decide like, you know what, I'm actually going to try doing this and I'm actually going to finish the job? I, I think, although it was bad, in my subjective opinion, looking back comparatively to now, it wasn't great. I was having a good time doing it. I wanted to share what I had to say. I knew it was sales related or sales comedy. And I I, I was enjoying making it 
even though it didn't come out great at the time, I thought it was awesome. So that that's probably a lot. Maybe I'm not being, I wasn't being so nasty to myself at the time. And then the posting of it, the, the responses to it, it was bringing joy to people. People were laughing or saying, hey, this is super helpful. We'll do more of this. And that's mm-hmm. just, uh, was all the motivation I really need to keep doing it. See, that stands out to me because it it's, follows a similar trajectory of everybody I know who's ever fallen in love with making content. And once something lands... You know, you go from not doing it, you go from being intimidated by doing it, you put a couple out there and then they don't, like no one watches them. It's very frustrating. It's very demoralizing. Most people give up. But yeah, when you put that one out there and all of a sudden a hundred or a thousand or a hundred thousand or a million people see it and they they respond to it, you're like, something is is workable here. You know, so those early videos you were doing, did you start making funny videos or did you start making like, they're just going to be Will talking about business? Uh, the the first ever video that I made on TikTok, at least, was a video trend where they were like, they, there was like a bunch of guys and killing like big TikTokers like Hank Green, who's quite well known guy, and they just were reacting to this guy making bread, going bread. So I put that up there. That was nothing to do with sales. But then following that, I made skit based content. So I wasn't following any trends, but I was kind of acting out what it's like to deal with a customer who won't tell you no, or says I will tell you no if I feel no, and then it ends up going to you anyway. So it was very much so relatable skits to start with, I'd say the first half dozen videos. And then one day I was in training with my sales manager. He said something that was like a light bulb moment for me. And I was like, I want to share this. This is, this is, this just changed the way I've approached a big part of my sales process. I'll share that wisdom onwards. And that's where the tips came in. And that was already 50, 50 from there. Okay. So can you like, let's go backwards a little bit here. What level of experience did you have prior to getting on TikTok? Were you just a business guy? Did you do any sort of performance at any point in your life? Like how, what level of training did you have in terms of like creating stuff that an audience will consume? Zero. Zero. Okay. No, this is good. This is something I want the audience to understand because a common misconception I get, people will see me doing my silliness and they're like, oh, I could never do that. And I'm like, you have to understand so many of the people that are doing this at a higher level than me, frankly, have no training. That It does interest me though, because I, I am always curious about like the people who don't have the training, where do you develop your style at? So I guess even Further back than that, what kind of things did you watch growing up? What captured your imagination and your attention when you were discovering who Will Aitken is? How far back are we going, Chris? I'm a big fan of dipping into what you watched as a kid. You know, that yeah. sticks with you. That's that that leaves that first impression. So yeah, let's do it. Cartoon Network. You know, I'm a '90s kid. I was born in '94. Johnny Bravo, Cow and Chicken, Cat Dog. Great intro. The song just played in my mind. And then obviously when I was growing up, I used to watch a lot of films with my dad. Films that I should not have been watching, like violent <laughs> films. But like I found them hilarious, like Snatch. I watched like the year it was came out, so I was six when that film came out. Casino with Robert De Niro. A lot of those old crime films as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then really got into more of the more modern stuff like Futurama, South Park. It's interesting because the, the mix of them is so interesting to me. And, you know, my background is I'm an improviser and they teach you everything is a gift. Every talent you have, everything you've ever said, every piece of knowledge you know could potentially be turned into comic fodder if you fall into the right situation. 
Right. I'm curious, have you leaned into any of these things in your videos? Have you ever dipped into like Casino or like one of these really brutal crime movies? Because a lot of people love those movies, Will. Yeah, I don't think I ever have. It'd be, I'd find it quite hard. I mean, you're telling me that probably I could. There w- would be a way to tie it into, but relating those things back to sales, not easy. Even like things like South Park, just super edgy, I'd say. I, I would never, that, that's quite close to the line of where I want to go. So I'd say most of the inspiration for for what comes into my videos is the engagement I've had with my friend groups growing up. You know, I've, uh-huh. I've always been the, the 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 joker of the party. I'd say, I'm gonna say clown, but I suppose that's true. Did you see my video today <laughs> uh, with the with the face of makeup? But yeah, so I'd say those things have more inspired my my video creating than the actual media I've consumed. So uh, you call yourself a joker instead of a clown. So what is the difference, Will? No, I, I would say a clown is fun to laugh at. A joker makes fun of situations. That's probably okay. the, the... So rather than being goofy, I'd more be making fun of something else or someone, which is very British. You know, we like to be mean to each other and tear <laughs> each other apart and make our friends feel this big. But that's all part of the fun. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's such an interesting thing because, yeah, that that wit, that sarcasm is so distinctively British. It's interesting. We talked about in previous episodes about the different approaches to improv and how Chicago is a very relationship-based approach to improv. LA is a very character-based. New York is a very game-based one. And British improv is interesting. Have you ever, are you familiar? Were you watching British Whose Lines Did Anyway growing up or any of the British improv shows? I wouldn't say I was watching many of those, if I'm honest. Mr. Bean was a big, I suppose, but... Yeah, he's great. I I just got back into Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean was, you know, Rowan Atkinson, for people who don't know at home, he was a sketch comedian in the 80s. He he did some very funny sketch. I forget the name of his group. And then, yeah, he created Mr. Bean because he, it's a character that works all over the world. And if anybody isn't familiar with Mr. Bean, he's a, he's a mostly silent character. 95% of what he's doing is no dialogue. He's Mm. just incredibly strange, inexplicably bizarre in his behaviors. And yeah, that character got famous throughout the world because you don't need to speak English Hmm. to get the joke. And what I like about Will, and if anybody wants to go like watch the video that we made this week, Will actually has, you know, you have a very similar comic style to me because I have these blue eyes. They're very expressive. And I was always cast in these roles where I was reacting. You know, and something would happen at Arsenic and Old Lace. It's these old ladies poisoning people and their grandson discovers. And he's like, no. And, um, you know, me and Will, we did this sketch together. And so much of the joke is just that that intensity in the eyes, the reaction that's like, are you seeing this? You know, kind of a thing. And yeah, I'm, I'm always curious about comic influences. Was there anyone that made you jealous growing up? Um, I, I always ask this question because I watched SNL. I watched Chris Farley and Mike Myers and David Spade and all those guys. And I always wanted it to be me up there. I'm like, I wish mm. I was up there playing with Chris Farley. That would be the funniest thing I could ever do. So was there ever anything you watched where you're like, that is so much fun. I am angry that they get to do that. And I don't. Yeah. I don't know if he's that well known in North America. But have you ever heard of Michael McIntyre? I don't think so. Okay. What I'd recommend after this, because this is very much, very much story-based humor. He's a comedian, very well known in the UK, 
few Christmas special DVDs that everyone got in their Christmas stockings of Michael McIntyre's comedy roadshow. <laughs> Definitely worth watching. He's just a very exuberant, and he kind of gets worked up as he's going. I was like, this is almost exactly the way I tell stories. I get worked up, and you're getting, and there's like a punchline, and like it comes back around again, and he references something that was obscure from the start of the, the story. Very interesting guy to work, watch, and he's very animated and very much a reactionary. Deals with hecklers extremely well as well. Um, so yeah, he's probably one person. Then I wouldn't say I ever felt envious of anyone else. Maybe Russell Brand. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I used to have a thing for Katy Perry when I was very young. So um, I mean, who didn't? The thing I'm trying to get out here, and kind of my whole reason for like what I'm doing is I'm telling people like anything that you fell in love with, pop culture wise, is now fair game. TikTok is very much designed. You can throw yourself into a music video for 15 seconds. You can throw yourself into a scene from a movie and do that dialogue. Mm. And I was a guy who was not cast in, you know, I was not famous. I was not out there, you know, on Saturday Night Live or anything. But the beauty of sketch comedy is like, all right, well, I'm going to do a detective scene. And guess what? I'm the detective, (laughs) you know? And if I want to do a diehard parody, I can be John McClane. No movie studio in their right mind would ever cast me as John McClane in a reboot. But if I wanted to, I could throw on a tank top and tape a gun to my back and do my favorite diehard scenes. And I could turn that into a TikTok and my network would probably love it. (laughs) I think we should. I think this this has to happen now. I mean, you should act out diehard. To be fair, there's a lot of... People, Die Hard's a pretty popular one when that one and Love Actually are the popular Christmas ones. I did Scrooge this year, which was a little bit more of a classic Christmas tale. But yeah, I'm always trying to figure out what could I do? What do I already love to do? I always think of it like those laughs. The thing that made you laugh will make somebody else laugh. Mm. I'm curious about like the gritty crime movies. What is it that you loved about them? so much oh it's mostly spending time with my dad They're quite scary movies even now there's one scene in casino that still haunts me to this day but i, I think i just loved sitting there watching them with my dad my dad thought they were cool so you know it's just what you know what young guys do had two sisters it was kind of one of the more like i mentioned earlier with oops i did it again that that, that i used to set in front of the screen dancing that to my two older sisters so uh, watching Heat with my dad was a change of pace there. I also think it's super cool. Yeah. Well, no, that's why half the... So, you know, anybody in the audience who's not familiar with my boss character, I have a boss character and he's a parody of all the bosses I've had in sales and like sitcom bosses, but he's also a parody of cop movies. And I yell a lot of ridiculous cop cliches. You know, Will, you shouted in the in the video this where you're like, Bo, get the fuck into my office. Because that's anytime a scene starts that way, you know it's gonna be good. And I love cop cliches so much. I love when they're just like, my office, now, yeah. badge, give me your badge. You are out of here. We follow the chain of command around these parts. I love it. You know, the cheesier, the better. I'm totally with you. That is such a good point. Uh, no bad video ever started with, hey, come into my office right now. You've seen the movie a million times. That's why people love it. And I keep telling you, it's like we talk about storytelling all the time. You really want to tell a great story, tell people the story they've already told themselves a million times. Yes. There's a reason why they keep going back to the old standards. There's a reason why Hollywood keeps doing reboots and sequels. It's because people fall in love love with this these stories and again it's not even necessarily the story you know john wayne i watched those with my parents and i watched those with my grandfather you know we would watch john wayne movies and yeah the fact that i was watching it with my dad was a huge part of 
how I felt about those characters, you know? And if I ever wanted to, if I was ever in an improv scene on stage and I had to be John Wayne, I would be thinking in my mind about those movies and about what kind of things, my dad's in the audience, what does he expect John Wayne to say? Uh, he does that thing where he stops talking, you know, and he's like, <laughs> it's like a lot of head shaking and, you know, someone could come on as a vulture. I don't know, but we've gotten to that point of the episode where we're gonna do Gimme Gimme. Will, are you ready? Get my suit jacket on. There's not a whole lot of rules in this segment. This is the part of the show where my guest and I pop into character for a few minutes and we ask the audience for exactly what we want. So, hello. Welcome to Gimme Gimme, the segment where me and my guest ask you for money. Will Aiken, welcome to the show. Chris, still mad at you. You haven't made a video for Vidyard. You haven't made a video for sales feed. You're not closing any sales. You armadillo flea. That's a great point. Sales feed in Vidyard. If you'd love to pay Chris Bogue to come in and make videos for you, I would happily help your team make videos. I could give Will Aiken all the training in the world. He and Tyler Lassard and all the folks there could be even more ridiculous and even sharper and more satirical. So I would be happy to make videos for Vidyard. And if anybody at home is interested in paying me money, that is the reason why we are here today. I don't want to uh, get people mistaken about what the point of LinkedIn is. Uh, the point of LinkedIn is self-promotion. So I'm telling you right now, gimme, gimme, gimme. Hire Chris Bogue to train your team. Hire Chris Bogue to help you make content. Hire Chris Bogue to help you get a sales process for the year 2022. Help him teach you how to make hilarious TikToks. You need help and it's time you start paying me money. Will, should people follow sales feed? Oh, exactly what you just said there, Chris. We're not here to have fun, although we are very fun people. We come up and we shop and we give laughs for free. Uh -huh. So you should be paying Chris. You should hire Chris. Chris is highly affordable. He told me that he does one-hour consulting sessions with entire teams for just $50. It's amazing. What? However, no, that no? is not... That's not true. That's no? not true. Oh, yeah, you're going to pay sorry. me $450 for a 90-minute okay. session. $450 for a week. Pay this man. And the other thing is, if you can't afford to pay us, that's okay as well. The next best thing you can do is follow us and our companies because I'm like 40 followers away from 12,000 followers. I want those 40. You could be those 40 right now. Go to yeah. the profile. Hit the follow. No. Don't leave the live stream, but, but open a new, right click, in, open a new tab and do it open afterwards, okay? Follow Will Aiken. Click the bell. Click the bell. You'll get updates from him and you can watch all the hilarious videos that you missed because I know a lot of you folks out there are nervous about hiring Chris Bogue because you don't think you can do it. You don't think you're funny enough. Go watch the video of me and Will. All it is, you know what I did? I called up Will Aiken and I said, hey, Will, you know how you love to scream obscenities at me every day? Let's mm -hmm. pretend that's a joke. Yeah. Right? We'll get it on video. We'll make everybody think we're friends. We'll do some mm -hmm. hilarious comedy. And then you get the demos, baby. We get the demos. That's what you do. You give them the hilarious content. Then you hit them with the old smile and dial. Will, what am I missing? You're right. I'm glad something productive did come off this relationship because I do sometimes feel bad for saying those mean things to you. So I'm glad you were hitting record on that particular session so we could advertise this, advertise you, your amazing coaching and training that everyone could needs, in fact, everyone needs. But in the meantime, as we were talking about earlier, you need to seek creative inspiration. So go to Chris's profile, go to his TikTok, go to sales feed, go to sales feed's TikTok, go to Will Aiken's LinkedIn, go to Will Aiken's TikTok, 
go back to Chris Vogue's TikTok and hit the follow buttons and like all the stuff because internet points is what fuels this for me at least. Right, right. And the money. Don't forget the money. And the money. Um, you can send us messages about how to send me money. I do accept payment through Zelle. And when in doubt, if you ever need Will Aitken to swear at you, he's quite good at that. The difficult part is actually getting him to stop yelling obscenities at you. And that's why he's a pro. And that's why he's here today. And this has been Gimme Gimme. Thank you, Will Aitken. Thank you. All right. So... <laughs> That's the thing I do every week because it works, because it works. So this is a segment, this, this rest of the conversation, we are going to start talking about some mistakes and that's what we're here for. I want to get specific with you, Will, because mm -hmm. yeah, let's just admit <laughs> where, where, where our videos have sucked. Let's get specific. You said your videos were bad when you started. What, what do you mean? Like, can you give me an example? What was bad about it? What was something that failed and why did it fail? All right. I'll, I'll start the list. Presentation. I didn't really get it. I didn't really know how to present to a camera. It felt unnatural to me and therefore it looked unnatural for anyone who was unfortunate enough to watch those early videos. They got 100 views and to all those 100 people, I apologize because uncomfy much. I wasn't looking at the camera for one. And or if I was, then I was kind of like, I'd look down at my face and do that. And you know, like I wasn't very good at it. I was mainly looking at myself on the screen which is a yep. natural thing you want to do because that's what you do when you see yourself. You look at yourself in the mirror. Most people do it. And then I was trying to do it all in one continuous take. And unlike you, I don't have an acting background mm -hmm. and I wasn't using scripts. So I was basically recording it over and over again, like 50 times until I said everything right. Because I didn't even know you, the whole you know, record, stop, record, stop thing was a thing on TikTok. So I was yeah. just trying to do the whole thing in one. So that meant I was I was rambling when I couldn't think of what I had to say. It was filled with ums, uh, you knows. Um, so there was a few things there that definitely just the fundamentals were missing. What about the content? Like the the actual point, were you talking about the right things or have you changed like what you're talking about to more get in line with your audience? So I think the content was actually okay. I've gone back and I basically watched a video recently said, hey, if there's anything you have in your TikTok that you wouldn't be happy with someone's watching today, I'm just gonna make it private. So I went back through all my old videos and I just privated a few of the ones. And it was never the content that made me think this is, this is outdated or wrong or not helpful to someone. In fact, I've now got 30 videos that, well, probably 100 videos, I wasn't comfortable leaving up. But I can just go remake in a better way now. It's just yeah. that the presentation, the style, I was holding like this lav mic in front of me for a bunch of them like this, mm -hmm. like, cause I'd seen that on TikTok, and, and like, I don't think it was even plugged in right. Or it, it was on battery mode. So it actually sounded worse than just using the built-in uh, microphone on my phone. So I was holding out like this, um, like a lot of TikTokers do. Um, uh -huh. And it, just, it sounded awful as well. It was really, really, really like reverb. Yeah. So that happens sometimes to me, I'll see a content creator doing a weirdly specific thing. And I'm like, oh, why am I not doing that? And then I'll try something. And I'll usually just get one person. And I really do want to emphasize to my audience, if you have a piece of feedback that can make my video better, you can just give it to me. However, sometimes like there was one, I did a story about my friend and I did it. I'm like, oh, I'll throw out. I see people throw these like effects backgrounds on like a podcast video where it's like, there's a gradient and maybe a little bit of movement or something. So I put, I put one of those behind me for the clip to make the clip pop a little bit more. And one of my friends just reached out and was like, Hey, that video you put, I hated that. That looked so cheesy and awful. Like you were some terrible, just everybody else and all their lame stuff on LinkedIn. It was just never do that again. And I'm like, okay, thanks, man. He's like, yeah, I cannot emphasize enough. He just looks terrible compared to the rest of your stuff. Don't do. And I'm just like, 
okay, okay. But, you know, but I'm like, all right, loud and clear. They didn't like that one. That one did not land. Sounds um, like the two are a strip up you make. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, that same thing happened with my wife as well. She was like, I started trying to do like, I don't know, someone's doing it right now on TikTok. Um, Josh Braun is quite well known in the sales space. He's created a lot of TikToks recently. Yeah. But I was having this title card that I made. It was like a brick comedy wall with like a neon thing in front of it. And my wife was like, every time I see that video, well, it, it just looks like an ad. So I just keep scrolling. And then I'm like, oh, wait, that was my husband. I have to go back. So like your point, really, like feedback is crucial to know these things. Otherwise, you just overthink and then do silly things because you think you should. Do you use a green screen ever? Uh, rarely. When when I want to do like really put my myself somewhere. But other than that, no, not really. I sometimes no, 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 not not much. I have one. It's just there. But I'm in your boat. This is another thing too that I tell people. And again, this is why you know. And it might just be your British sense of self-deprecation. I have a Midwest sense of self-deprecation that I've learned to tame. I've learned that my my ability to criticize my own flaws was costing me deals in sales. So I learned how to shut that off and I learned how to shut it off as a performer. But I'm a big fan of like, your flaws are what make you stand out. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're not perfect gets you noticed. And the parts of you that are boring are actually the parts of you that are relatable. And you do, you know, you're all, you have your background there. You've got your lightsabers. It's very you. And, you know, I've got my little bookshelf and people are like, you need a bigger bookshelf and a bigger picture and a bigger this and that. And I'm like, whatever, they know it's me. Mm. You know, they know it's me. And actually I found that like, okay, I don't have a super uniform look. I don't have a green screen that I'm doing something crazy with every time. But the fact that it is me here, I actually think that's an easier way to get people to stop as they're scrolling through. Yeah, I, I, I do too. And I think you mentioned something, the little imperfections that are our personality, the slight awkwardness and self-depreciation and getting things a little bit wrong at least or like bringing ourselves into it even if they're not the good parts of ourselves. David Sandler, I think, actually wrote about this, the, the, the sales trainer um, in his book. He was saying, if you want to make other people feel okay, sometimes you have to act a little bit goofy, a little bit not okay to make your clients feel like they know what we're talking about. No one likes the person in the room who comes in, looks incredible, is smart, is like this, thinks of the smartest person going, who thinks they're hilarious and has the best stories and can one up you and everything. Sometimes you gotta like take a sit back and just like accept that your imperfections are what make you perfectly you. Yeah, is that something you ever explore like on video? Is kind of like your own shortcomings? Yeah, I've never, I've never really spoken about it. Cause that's actually something I'm specifically trying to do. I come from a type of training hmm. where it's satire. I, I was trained to create satire and they teach you. It's like you satirize the world you have, not the world you wished you had. And I just learned in comedy that if you come from this holier than thou kind of perspective, hmm. where you're going to shake your finger at the audience and rub their nose in their little imperfections. They don't, they, they won't let you in. They resist you. And I found if I make fun of my own flaws and I do that, so, my, you know, I, I have a character, if my audience is unfamiliar, Vague Man, mm -hmm. and it's me with a polo shirt and I've got a blurred background uh, behind me and I've got a cape. And the joke is that I just never say anything specific. And it's my commentary on corporate speak and how, how people are trained to talk in corporate America. But I, I'm also satirizing the fact that sometimes I don't have the word. And I'm too general when I sell myself. And, uh, you know, I did a, a one about Ukraine and it's like, I, I'm not going to diminish the seriousness of that situation. And I'm not going to go in there and act like I'm an authority. 
Um, but this feeling of I'm a LinkedIn influencer, what am I supposed to say in this time where there's all these important things happening that are way more important than my stupid joke? I'm like, okay, I'm going to get in and I'm going to explore that. And again, because I'm I'm going to my audience and saying, hey, by the way, this is vague man here, not, not a scholar on Ukraine. So um, <laughs> that's not what people look to me for. So I am not an authority here. I give the audience some room to be okay with the fact that maybe they're not an authority on this either. And maybe it's okay if they don't have something to say, yeah. um, because there are people who know more than them that, that can actually educate them. But yeah, I'm trying to come at it from a place of like exploring that part of me that I know is real without necessarily diminishing myself as a person for not being an expert or not being perfect or having the perfect thing to say. Yeah. Tell me about working with others and sales feed. Like you're working with, you've got multiple other people there on the team. You're bringing in guest stars. So how much of work is just you putting out what Will wants to say? And how much of it is you meeting with your team, meeting with other people, figuring out like, what are we all collaborating on and, you know, how's it going to work? Yes. This is something I'm actually horrible at, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, a lot of salespeople are kind of somewhat mavericks in sense. Like they go off on their own to do their own thing and you kind of lead them to it because they're making money and it's all good. Like there's maybe when it's not going well, then someone's going to intervene. But if you're doing fine, then people just leave you to your own devices and there's no real need to work collaboratively. Unless you're in a more complex cell environment working with solutions engineers or like you have a really close relationship with a specific SDR on your team. But otherwise, you get left to your own devices. Whereas now I work with a whole team of content producers, a video producer, someone who markets everything for us, someone who does all our writing, Tyler, who basically just gives yes or no on ideas and, and kind of gives them the, the final go ahead or even gets involved sometimes. And working, that's probably been the hardest part about going full time on content because I'm no longer just dependent on myself. My videos are no longer just a, a hobby that I do for fun. Um, and I'm working to timelines now. There's people who are like, well, your next episode of Tech Talks goes live on Tuesday. If it doesn't, we'll have nothing to post. Not the biggest deal in the world, but it feels like it sometimes. So working with other people has been probably the biggest challenge about doing this now. And to a certain extent, I do mainly just go off and do my own thing, but to avoid as much. Like I, I now, I've learned to edit specifically so I can put stuff out by myself so I don't have to really be too dependent on someone else as like a bottleneck. But there are definitely things like a longer series, the more high production stuff. I definitely am a, a cog in a longer machine. Um, having to, to be more thoughtful about other people in that as well. Interesting. I've done a lot of ensemble work. So I know that pressure helps sometimes. You know, mm. and I always found, and especially I'm teaching people how to do things themselves. And so I'm, I'm, you know, to all the content creators in the audience here, collaboration is an easy way to get extra ideas. Mm. You get extra feedback. You get extra literal physical bodies if you need an extra person to hold a camera or do a camera move. Or, you know, I had a system where I was doing shows in Chicago every Sunday night. And if you see how I market this live stream, it's, it's the same way I, I advertise my comedy show. Our group was mm. called Octavarius and our tagline was one night only every week. And I organized my business around this idea of like every week there's the show, there's a guest, there's a theme. It's something to get people excited about. It's an upcoming event. You can get clips and stuff from previous events. But right. I was working on a team of nine comedians. And we had a system where it was like once a week, it was your show. You had to write it. You had to direct it. You had to get the props. You had to, you had to figure everything out. And those eight other people just had to do what you say. And it was a very interesting way to learn how to do this because on the one hand, it was like, okay, they're doing, you know, a police academy bit and 
you just you gotta learn to be the sound effects guy because that's who you got cast as you know yeah but then it was this other thing where it was like oh you know what i've got eight people here at my disposal and they've got a lot of talents and they've got a lot of knowledge and if you've got a team that's driven you can create so many more things just by having other people in the room i completely agree with you and it feels good when you're all working together as well when you it all comes together like i can imagine that scenario there with, with nine comedians i'm certain when you put on a good show it was so much nicer to celebrate with eight other people than when you, you're a one-man band yeah well again you talk about watching those movies with your dad it was such a big part of it yeah. Um, the re part of the reason why I do my show the way I do is because a lot of the success I've had comedically has been a part of a duo. When I was in high school, I was a speech team kid. I did two events. I did original comedy and humorous duet acting. Uh -huh. Humorous duet acting was two people, two chairs and a table doing a scene. Mm -hmm. Original comedy was an eight minute comedy bit where you write it all yourself and you perform as all the characters and all the voices. And then, yeah, I've had various comedy partners. I had a uh, Matt Tins is his name, Herza. He was my writing partner. He was, you know, it was me and him. He was my music guy. And we were a two-man group. And we were writing and directing together. We would do bits together. Do you have anybody who is just able to give you brutal honesty? Do you have any writing partners like that who will just rip off the Band-Aid and give it to you straight? I, I've got some people on the team who will give it to me a lot straight, who I can rely on. And to be honest, the person who's, who's give, kept me most in line or told me what's funny and what's not through all of this and says, I mean, content has always been my wife. Because she will give it to me so straight, and I and I'm I invite that as well. I'm like, please, because I trust her opinion more than anyone else. Because she's the person I have a relationship with who's willing to say like, well, that wasn't wasn't funny, or maybe will you're stepping a little bit too close to a line in order to be energy, but it's coming off wrong, or like, will you're coming off too forced. She would generally tell me, and luckily TikTok's very good like that because it literally feeds you the people who are closest to their content. You're friends with them, like I see a lot of your content on there, Chris, because I frequently engage with it. So. I would naturally just see it anyway. Uh -huh. She would see it and be like, well, that one sucked. She's not in sales, so she won't get half the jokes, but she'll know like, okay, mm, I'm not sure that was funny. And I'm like, okay, I appreciate that. So now I suppose I show her something and I'm like, I, I want to gut check on this. And she goes, that's good. Post it. Yeah, well, I'm glad you say that because I do advise anybody who's putting comedic stuff out there, it's good to run it past an audience. Hmm. It's good to, it's, and it's like, people ask, it's like, oh, how can you do this, these ridiculous bits on LinkedIn and not feel self-conscious about, is it going to work? And I'm like, because half these bits I've done on stage and I've done in front of different audiences with different backgrounds and different locations. And I just know the bit's going to work because it's worked before. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm big on telling people if someone is enjoying your podcast if, if, or your content and you know they want you to succeed, they know you know they find you interesting and talented and stuff like that, actually suck it up and ask them to yeah. give you some feedback. And I ask them what they liked too. I'll ask people like, hey, was there something that stuck with you? Was there something that helped you learn? Mm -hmm. But it's like my two most popular characters, The Boss and Vague Man, they were supposed to be one-off characters and I got enough feedback from my audience being like, I really enjoyed this. Can I have more, actually, more sketch comedy with these characters and it is what I want. Yeah. So that's the kind of content I make. I'll, I'll layer on top of that. If you're going to get feedback or ask for feedback from people, you've got to be really willing to take it. Because yeah. otherwise, if you get offended by feedback, someone's like, I don't know, Will, you, you're trying too hard. And I was like, no, I'm not. But that person will probably never give me that feedback again because they won't feel comfortable doing it. So you've got to really be open to that. And that's that's really it. You can apply it to every walk of life, not just making content and videos. If you're in sales and your manager gives you some feedback, being defensive over feedback will rarely get you the results you want. You've got to be really open to it. 
And that's where growth comes from. Yeah, I think that comes a lot of, um, and again, this is why I recommend working in ensembles, working in duos. You have to be clear that you both have the same goals. And when I was writing with my comedy partner, we would do a thing where it's like every week you had to write a sketch. We would show up and you'd do a read of the sketch. And, you know, we would ask each other, you'd get done and be like, just so I understand, is the point of the bit <laughs> that it's just this one joke over and over and over and over again? It's like, okay, I think this could probably be like a 30 second skit mm. instead of a four minute one. Yeah. Right. Like, actually, it seems like the most compelling part of this scene is the ending. And that could just be a 15 second scene right there. I think actually this whole first three minutes is unnecessary. Yeah. And, you know, because we've done that many shows together, my partner isn't going to take it as, oh, I'm not a good writer. Chris doesn't think I'm funny. Right. It's more like, oh, we found the bit. We found what the scene is about. And we, if, if you're doing a lot of sketch writing, you know, you never bring version one of the sketch onto the stage. You're on version three or four or five by the time a live audience is there. Yeah. Have you ever taken it personally? Was that something you needed to learn how to do? I wouldn't say content. I wouldn't say maybe. I've definitely been been hard. I, I know a younger version of myself didn't didn't take feedback from managers, bosses who were really have my best intentions at heart and have always been in sales. So they probably had some revenue in mind as well. But I've been resistant to it. Like I feel like I knew better or I know best because it's me. Whereas when you open yourself up to that, I do find that you don't have to even have to take the feedback, but like you can't, being defensive really won't, won't do you any favors. It'll actually make you, if it's your manager, especially, you're just going to be the person that they hate to, to manage. And that's not in a good position to be in because you start hitting your targets. They're not going to have feeling remorse over getting rid of you as well. Yeah. And you know, with comedy, it's like, I feel like there are times people give me feedback and I, would like to say politely, you're wrong. Like, you don't know what you're talking about, but I just thank them, you know? And it's like, you have to ask yourself, even if you disagree, hmm. someone, like, why do they think that? Where are they coming from there, you know? And I always yeah. say, especially in improv training, there's a lot of different approaches to it. I'm very open-minded about different schools of thought. Some people are like, hey, this is the only school of thought. These other ones are not legitimate. Mm -hmm. um, but someone once taught me when you go into a training situation, accept the feedback with an open mind, even if you disagree with it. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're in the middle of a training or, you know, something like that, try to adapt to the feedback as best you can. And if you get done with that and you're like, you know what, this did not help me, mm -hmm. toss it in the garbage. But try to adapt it, try to listen to it with an open mind, because there's something that you might be missing. Um, I want to jump into the questions here a little bit. Cam asked about video trends. How big of a strategy do you have around like jumping onto existing trends? It's often when I'm feeling uninspired. I I, I never like to to see a trend in like jump in it for the sake of jumping on it so like i don't ever find a trend i'm like how and then i'm like i really want to do this trend how can i make that a sales thing especially on tiktok which is basically all trends instead if i see one and it acts as a good prompt and gives me an idea for content then i will do that because then i'll have fun doing it but when you try and like do a trend for the sake of doing a trend it always comes off really insincere and not funny because the idea isn't that good because you have to really stretch to make something happen so trends I like to do them about 50% of the time. And then the rest of my, and they, uh, maybe not even 50. Depends. Depends how inspired I am that week. Because some day weeks I'm just flowing with stuff I want to say and provide. Uh, whereas other weeks I'm like, I need something easy and quick to put something out because a lot of it is a, a, a volume game uh, on some of these platforms. So putting something out does help better than nothing. Other weeks I'm like, I'm ready to talk. I want to present. I want my voice to be heard. I want to come up and show up and be authentic. So trends are good. Just don't do them for the sake of doing them essentially unless you have something that's actually a good idea on that trend 
Yeah, if something jumps out at me and I'm like, oh, okay. Or if I see somebody doing something that's like funny that I'm going to stitch to yeah. or something or like a funny duet fodder on TikTok. I'll say I watch, and this is a sales thing too. I watch holidays for trends, you mm -hmm. know? So it's like, that was the thing in sales. You know, they always talk about nurturing. You got people in your pipeline, you want to nurture them. Yeah. That was one thing I always found was able to do where it's like, okay, doesn't matter who they are, what kind of buyer persona they are where they are in the pipeline i can send them something nice for halloween you know yeah. and like oh it's me and it's my dog in costume she's dressed up as snoopy and says hey halloween and there's a spider and a witch is threatening him and oh look at it, it's halloween fun so i found that like that's actually useful you know and i tell sales teams too to like sales teams and marketing teams that's a good way to sync up your team and be like okay what is on the calendar this month okay it's women's history month there's international women's day people are going to be talking about that people are going to be talking about saint patrick's day and then it's the end of q1 at the end of march so the people you're talking to are going to have some relationship they're going to have feelings about those events that are coming up so i can tap into what's real i can tap into what i'm feeling and what's going on in my life and i can use that to relate to them you know, and if things pop up in the meantime and, you know, some story everybody's talking about and I have an opinion, I can jump in on that. Yeah. But it's like the world is unpredictable and news and trends change all the time. Yeah. So it's like, what can I bank on? Oh, New Year's Day. New Year's Day is coming up. Yeah. What am I going to want to say to my network on New Year's? You know, yeah. let me just ask again about in general, like TikTok mistakes. I want to know because I'm still trying to figure out oh, TikTok. I want to know what mistakes you feel like you've made so far, Chris. Okay. Um, I was originally not following my own advice for Vidyard and mm -hmm. I was putting too much editing into my prospecting videos at first. I was trying to do this thing where like I had different camera edits and yeah. then I dropped in one scene that was me talking to the person. And I changed that one scene every time. Yeah. And I wasted a ton of time on that. Mm. But it made me better at Vidyard. You know, it got me better at Vidyard. I would say if in terms of content, going too niche can be a trap. Yeah. So one thing is like, I love Chris Farley. I love Saturday Night Live. I did a sketch once. And I don't even think the sketch was bad. Um, does anyone in the comments here, has anyone seen the Hurley He Boy? Did you ever see the Hurley He Boy, Will? I didn't. I can't say I did, man. So the Hurley He Boy was the sketch from 90s Saturday Night Live. It's Chris Farley and Adam Sandler. And it's a home delivery service. And Adam Sandler is this incredibly off-putting boy who's trying to get customers. Right. And he's looking at the camera awkwardly. And he's like, let me bring in your mail, please. Come on. You got so much mail. Someone's got to bring in your mail. And then it cuts to Chris Farley and he's the guy who runs the shop. And he's like, just let the boy bring in your damn mail. And he's just, he's screaming at the audience. And um, I thought it would be so funny to adapt that to business. So I did one, I was an SDR and I was like, let me send you an email, please. Come on, you know, let me send you a demo. You don't even have to watch. You could just put me up in one of your tabs and you can just go around and do your other work. Please just give me a demo. And then, you know, it's, it cuts to me as the boss being like, give this kid a heart, a demo, you heartless bastards. But the problem was I, I made it too faithful to the original. Yeah. Where you only understood what I was doing if you remembered that incredibly specific sketch from mm. 1992. Yeah. It turns out most of TikTok did not remember that sketch. So the hardcore Chris Farley fans loved it. Yeah. And the couple sales leaders that I sent it to who I was like, hey, maybe you want me to train your team. were like, what the hell is this nonsense? <laughs> Just confused. 
I, I think it sounds like a great video, but I feel like you've done it more justice here than you probably did there. Like, it sounds like a, a funny video, like an SDR just being like, come on, give me the meeting. Just give me the meeting, but... Well, actually, yeah. this is going to be, so I'm going to ask you about this because this is a TikTok mistake. I don't even know if it's a mistake, but I alternate between being like, okay, I need to make my stuff more general. I need to package it in a more general way. Because yeah. if I said Chris Bogue recreates Chris Farley, Adam Sandler sketch, that's a hell of a lot more relatable than worst SDR ever, where you only yeah. understand that if you're an SDR. However... I see a lot of your stuff performing well, and I see a lot of other business stuff out there where you are doing hashtag SDR, hashtag SDR life, hashtag S or sales life. Mm -hmm. And I guess my question to you is, is it that I went too niche or that I didn't go niche enough? I didn't really just blast it out, make it explicitly to the SDR crowd and not try to go for that mainstream crowd. I don't. I think the issue is on that one. By the way, most SDRs are in their twenties, and let's be honest, in their early twenties. Just, just as a general thing, I'm not making too making them more broader. But most, most SDRs are quite young, and you're referring to a sketch on Saturday Night Live in 1992. I've never even watched Saturday Night Live, not one episode. So, um, to be so, fair, so. it's because I was targeting their bosses. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. On my, yeah. Know, so I think it's partly understanding the audience. But I've made mistakes on that as well. Like I've made content that's way too neat niche niche which niche, niche, Ooh, like niche. what well well i'll tell you what i've made a mistake doing i've switched up too often i've not committed to something or something's gone well and i should have committed to that or i should i decided to commit to that when i didn't really feel it it's so like one time i did this video about careers and sales and i was like look you can get into sales you don't need a degree you can make plenty of money it's quite fun you get to do fun stuff you get to talk to customers all day you don't have to worry too much about like doing boring work it's always entertaining if not a little bit stressful so i made this this thing and it got like a million views well then and then i that out of the on my personal channel sales feeds channel does a lot better because i stick strictly to b2b sales i've decided to do that whereas on mine i experiment a lot and then a bunch of people are like will i follow you for career advice and the next day you know what i do I go and make a video about how like that was very specific to like an account executive being ghosted at the proposal stage. Mm -hmm. And then we followed me because they were like, oh, I want Will to teach me how to do sales. I'm like, what the heck is this guy talking about? And it actually happened again at the weekend. I did a, I did a, a TikTok about a very well-known song in where I live in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I haven't posted since then. But I know when I do, I got a bunch of followers from it. They're going to be like, what's this guy? What's this guy on about talking about B2B what now? Sales? So like, I feel like you, it does help to niche down, but like mm -hmm. you've always got to be careful not to switch up too much because otherwise you get these followers and then they stop engaging and then there's a whole lot to it. I just find I've gone down the route of just doing whatever I enjoy now for my own personal, not the one I get paid to do, sales feed. Because I'm being paid to do that, I feel like there's a quality that I have to uphold. Whereas the other one now is, I think that's the main thing still, it's the lessons, the reason I started this, and that's what I'm going to carry on doing. Yeah, it's interesting because I am in this position where, because I run my own business, my personal life and my work life are just kind of intertwined. Yeah. And, you know, I am selling myself. I'm selling my knowledge, you know, and I'm selling my ability to train people and teach people. Yeah, my business content is a lot more fun and personal than it ever has been. But I, I, you know, I don't have a lot of regrets. I've made mistakes. I've, I, you know, when I make a mistake, especially when you're a business owner, I mean, sales is a mistake will cost you. When you're a business owner, yeah, you have nothing but yourself to rely on. So you lose one of those big deals. You're just like, oh, geez, that's not good, you know? But it's like, yeah, the more I take risks, the more it seems to pay off. Mm. And, you know, for anyone out there who's nervous and I, you know, you can tell me if you're wrong here, Will, or if I'm wrong here, whenever I've screwed up, 
it's usually not a chorus of people being like, this is awful and terrible. They just scroll past. Yeah. They just scroll. They don't notice it. So have you ever had considerable backlash to any of your mistakes or is it mostly just you kind of taking note for your own betterment? To, 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 to play on to your point, that's exactly the mentality that I take now. Like if it doesn't do well, then no one will really see it. Like a few dozen people might. But like, it's not like, when a post does well, hundreds of thousands, millions of people can see it. When it does badly, unless, as long as it's doing well for the right reasons, right? If you do something controversial, then you probably got it coming. But um, when something does badly, no one's going to see it. Now, what? The, there's a middle ground where you can say something that you think is valuable and people can get value from it. But like, I've had beef with people on, on TikTok. I have specifically one person in particular who keeps duetting my videos telling me I'm wrong. So like, yes and no, I guess is the answer to my question. Like, doesn't matter if you stick it out there. But then like what I've learned from the beef is like just not get involved and not really care. Even if someone does publicly get angry or disagree with you, as long as you know that you haven't offended anyone and you're not, it's not harmful content or offensive content, then just ignore anyone who's actually just like, oh, I can't believe you're posting this on LinkedIn or, oh, I can't believe you said that salespeople should negotiate their salaries. Like, like that's not harmful advice to anyone. And it's not harmful for me to be on LinkedIn of me dressed up as a clown either. So like, What's your what's your hater disagreeing with you on? Uh, it's just, he's a big creator on TikTok called Dan from HR. His name's Daniel Space. We're friends on we 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 have a bit of banter. I call him Danny Boy now just to get to him a little bit. But I give a lot of interviewing and 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 sales career advice. And he's got a long he's a HR consultant with like a fifteen year degree, um, career in sales and not sales in HR. So like we just we just butt heads on a few things and he's not afraid to come into my comment section or stitch my video being like, this guy's an idiot. Uh, yeah. I block people who are rude. I've learned, I'm just, I come from a school of like, if someone is here to openly engage with me, that's fine. I will, you know, I'll talk with just about anyone. I'll exchange ideas with anybody. I yeah. learned in stand up comedy, there is one way to deal with a heckler. You shut them down immediately. Yeah. And I always learn it's like when you're doing stand up comedy, especially it is you and the audience. And when someone starts heckling you, they're trying to take over your platform. Yeah. And I don't let them do it. And I'm a nice guy. People, you know, I try to be nice to people. I'm not nice to hecklers. And that is the rule you learn doing stand up is no mercy for hecklers. And, yeah. and part of what I've learned is, a lot of the trolls, they just want attention, and I just don't give them that. Todd Clauser says, TikTok beef is the Kobe or Wagyu of internet beef. So good. I, I kind of enjoy it, though. I get heated. I'm like, yeah, Dan from HR. I'm going to change my TikTok name to Will from Sales just to like try and like elbow him a little bit. But yeah, I do enjoy it. And then there's like, you get these comments on sales TikTok, especially like the general public, especially people who don't know what the heck B2B and software sales is, like this little bubble we live in. They think of sales and they're like, Oh, that person who tried to sell me my extended car warranty or the used car salesman who didn't tell me about the fact that my car doesn't have an engine when I paid 10 grand for it. Whatever it may be, that's what a lot of people think sales are. So like I get a lot of hate comments that don't hate me, but like just be like salespeople are the worst humans on the planet. And I'll always like, I'll troll them back because it's more fun for me that way. And I'll get a good kick out of it just being like, what happened? Did you ever pay in your car? Let me guess. You bought the six year extended warranty, didn't you? Yeah, but it was a bad idea, my friend. You know, like I, I enjoyed that as well because you're right. Trolling a troll is fun. Yeah, well, see me, I'm just like, sorry. Um, <laughs> what is this? Where's this? How? Chris, can I? You've got a sax in the background. Was that? Want, 
you've got a sax in the background. So obviously, and you played that, oops, I did it again very well. How much was the thing you're holding and what would you call that actually? I'm very This intrigued. is a wind synthesizer. Uh, it's an Iwi, an electric wind synth. It's basically an electric saxophone. Wow. And get used to it, audience, because I just got this yesterday. You're going to see me learn how to play this as I roll out content there. And I would love to play... A whole concerto for you, but it looks like we're out of time. Yeah. So stay tuned. I'll be dropping this episode uh, as an audio podcast. I'll also be dropping last week's episode with Mateo Elvira. We, we had a conversation about Gen Z last week. And uh, Will Aitken, one more time, where, where can the audience find you if they want to uh, check out your stuff? LinkedIn, TikTok. And, 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 and I'm also, I'll take the opportunity to, yeah, follow me. I, I need to get 12,000 followers on LinkedIn. So do that. And, and you know, the whole like follow button. And then like, if you try and connect to them, it kind of gives you this asking message, like this person prefers to be followed. That's a lie. I would love to have a conversation. So just ignore that and connect with me. It's a much nicer way. I'd love to be able to message you some point in the future when I want to sell you something. So yeah, definitely connect with me. But yeah, sales feed, Will Aitken, that's all. Sales feed, Will Aitken, follow me. Chris sells his soul. Find episodes on Stitcher and uh, Spotify. Follow me at Chris Sells His Soul on TikTok or ChristopherBogue.com. Ring my bell on LinkedIn. This has been Chris Sells His Soul. Bye-bye, everybody.